Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kersky. I'm Jason Grice. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 108 or so. <laughs> 108 or so. Yeah. The gang's all back. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Yeah, wait, you say that James isn't here. Oh, you just got edited out of the whole episode. <laughs> Bye, Chad. <laughs> James, make Chad sound like a chipmunk for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I'll give you five dollars. <laughs> would be awesome. Isn't the Australian currency higher than the dollar right now? Uh, he's in Ireland, but okay. No, 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 no. He's no? in Australia. Oh shit! Oh, oh you man, missed, you've missed a lot. I have. No, How I'm long is he like in? You were oh. only a hemisphere away. Yeah. <laughs> They're right next door, right? Oh, like across the street from each other. Yeah. It's like on the other side of the planet. Yeah, but the planet's a circle, so that doesn't even... That's all right. How long is he over there now? Is it like two years or is it like a couple of months? I forget. I think it's a year. Yeah, oh. I think it's a year. Oh, right in the middle. All right. So you were completely wrong on both your kisses. Ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. I hope he's having fun, though. He is. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, so today we are discussing all of the uh, number two issues from the Lantern books. Um, what was this, month of October? Uh, yeah, yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so uh, I guess I'll kick us off. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Starting off with a winner. Um, in an issue that I'm going to call Death to the U-verse, uh, Red Lanterns number two. Yeah, uh, issue starts off with, uh, Atrocitus, uh, getting all poetical about, you know, you know, he's, he's talking with the corpse of Krona. It's like, yes, my, my dead lover, Krona, do you remember, do you remember Gan 9? No, 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 that's not how his voice sounds. You remember. I don't remember. I remember. <laughs> I want to go on. <laughs> no, 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 I, I want you to remind me. It has to be very, very kind of, kind of subdued, yet, like, 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 uh, creepy where's, lover. Where's, yeah, creepy love. Like, do you remember Gain <laughs> and Krona? It's a planet engulfed in rage. It's it's a universe in miniature. Conflict, pain, heartache. I'm certain you've you've followed its evolution since the days when you were of the guardians of the universe. That's exactly how Atrocitus talks. Yeah. Um, you know it's true. So then we uh we kinda head right into um I guess it's the Afghanistan American War. Um <laughs> And you got the Americans flying around, killing uh, Afghanistans and Iraqis and stuff like that. Um, and then Atrocitus comes in and uh, kills a bunch of Americans because what they're doing is wrong. Um, which, I mean, technically the Americans are, like, green-skinned, and they call them aliens, uh, Uvers, but uh, it's, it's basically a commentary, and uh, you're being preached to a great deal. And then Atrocitus, you know decides that he's going to, you know, kill these bad guys. Um, 
this this sucked. Sucked. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little girl in it, and it's like supposed to be poetic, but it's just a steaming fucking pile of shit. <laughs> and then Atrocitus goes back home and says, "You know what? I think I'm gonna need an assistant." So which of my completely, you know, ass-backwards, mentally handicapped, you know, monsters am I going to raise to the level of coherence so that they can help me out? Of course, we know who it's going to be, um, but, uh, God, this this sucked. The o- Okay, the only thing that I'm giving Peter Milligan... Oh, Peter Milligan, Ed Bennis, Rob Hunter, Bennis does the art, Milligan does the writing... Unfortunately, um, the only good thing about this issue is the title that he gives to these bad guys, the Ubers, um, got stuck in my head. It's actually a really good word. I don't know. I like it. Ubers. Everything else sucks. That's it. Well, also, well, also if these are supposed to be blatantly the American analog in a book that's going to be read primarily by an American audience, they're basically, basically naming them you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, my biggest problem with the issue was the fact that the cover's a lie. I yes. mean, I know that I know that happens in almost every issue these days. Um this is to some de- Yeah, to some degree or another, but when I found out that this girl on the cover was a kid, I kind of this is going to sound weird, um but I kind of thought back to like a uh, interview with a vampire when Claudia's made a vampire and it turns out one of the rules is you shouldn't may- ever make a kid a vampire. Because that's just wrong. Well, I kind of thought on the same level, you should never make a child a Red Lantern. Make him go through that process. But then again, I kind of thought, that would be really cool to see happen. And it never happened in this book to yeah. any degree whatsoever. Nope. I mean, especially if you're going to... I mean, I mean, they blatantly want to explore in one way or another what it means to be filled with rage and hatred and anger. I can't think of a better way to do that than to to use the focus, just unbridled rage of a child who just saw everyone she cares about slaughtered. I mean, like, and just the ramification, like the, I, I mean, everything is creepier when it's a little kid. Let's be honest, right now. Mm-hmm. And you make people—they're here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like and like if you picture like the stuff atrocitus does being done by a little what like i don't even know how old this like a little eight-year-old girl like that would like that would be so much more powerful both in like what it is and what it symbolizes in terms of imagery like and it would have been such an interesting character too would have been a lot better than what we got <laughs> yeah yeah. And to- and towards the end I I felt like they could have almost made this a little more worth it if they changed like like the page where he tries to kidnap her like they're bla- they were blatantly playing up like this reminds him of his dead daughter. Yeah. And I thought like they were going to like make some hint that that's why he wanted to bring her home. But instead, like, they just go full on with the, huh, well, she has a pure rage. That would be cool to have around you some alts. I'll, I'll steal you. And, that's all, that's all, and then she ran away. He's like, oh, shit, no, I didn't. Oh, sorry. Oh, well. 
I she am runs sorry. far faster. <laughs> yeah. She runs too fast. I could never catch her. You know what I can't figure out is at the end he decides like his big decision is to increase the consciousness of one of his red lanterns. How does that play into the entire rest of the story? Like how did that help him make that decision? <laughs> it doesn't. It's poorly written. That's the point, Chad. No, maybe someone could have talked him out of trying to get that little girl. I'm kidding. Completely kidding. (laughs) I mean, for us, it's a good thing because there's basically one character character in this book right now. Oh, so let me get this straight. You don't consider Rage Kitty to be a character. It. It's only in the first issue. Rage Kitty is like <laughs> a fine dessert. You can't over you can't have it all the time. You would be overloaded with the awesomeness, the awesomosity, I believe is what it says on the back label. That's it. Like in this entire issue, like okay, who do you have? You have Atrocitus, who's the mainstay. You have the throwaway people that were all here as cannon fodder, and you have a big pack of psychos that can barely say anything. In the Red Lanterns, so you at some point you have to bring somebody else to the up that can like think and talk and do stuff. I like the how only... they they just they just hang out in a crowd fighting each other on your smalt. <laughs> That's all they do. They like don't sleep or eat or anything. <laughs> They're just fighting with each other while Blaze stares at them. <laughs> the only thing that makes this issue any in any way decent is the fact that it sets up issue three, which I've already read. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not, not going to spoil anything, but if you haven't picked up any of the Red Lantern books, go ahead and skip one and two and pick up three, and if you don't like three, drop it all. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, um, skip one, two, and three, and um, keep on skipping them. You didn't um, like three? three? I mean, obviously we're not discussing it this episode, but just basically you didn't like it? Yeah, spoiler alert. No, I didn't like it. <laughs> um, Out of all three of them, though, it's probably the best. Oh, oh, I I do agree with that. Um, yeah, it, it's a marked improvement, but that's not saying much. Yeah. Um, the, the only other story thing I want to bring up is I thought it was a, <clears throat> I thought it was a a little extra messed up that though of the two pilots, the one the Atrocitus kind of tortures before letting him die is the one that uh, didn't want to fire on the kids to begin with. And he's the one with a wife and a small daughter, just like <laughs> Atrocitus. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the biggest thing of bullshit. It's like, you know, but if you kill me, then you're just begetting rage with my wife and my daughter. You know, who's going to be justice for them? It's like, um, nah, nah, this is all your fault. <laughs> yeah, I, it does play into the whole, like, he's kind of lost his way, lost his mission thing that they set up last issue, but... I don't know, like, right now, Atrocitus is basically a loaded bazooka that has no idea what he's doing with his life. I, yeah, the only the only thing, as far as tying in his to his decision, I guess the other Red Lanterns aren't competent enough to make a decision to go for justified rage like this particular situation 
but they don't set they don't even say that in this issue so it's not like it i'm assuming that's what they were going for but they in no way made that connection what about the art i I don't mind it i like the way he draws Belize. you like the way he draws Belize's ass we've been over this (laughs) hey i'm not the only one (laughs) listen it's it's basically like ed benes can draw female characters well um, even the, the young little girl, I think, is drawn in a cute manner. Um, but the way that he draws Atrocitus is just, like, he keeps changing. You know, like, the, and what, the, the, the page that I keep on going back to is the one where he vomits the blood on the, uh, the guy. Yeah. And it, like, you look at it, and, like, his head and his helmet are, like, it's like they curve right into each other. You know, it's like his head is as big as his helmet, as opposed to, you know, the helmet, like the, the, the head thing going up. It's just, it's, it's poorly done. Poorly done. Yeah. I think the best piece of artwork in this whole thing is the scene of, you know, the children getting gunned down, which, you know, they probably put <clears throat> put some extra time into what they knew would probably be like the big like oh shit kind of kind of moment in the issue. Jason, you've been quiet. Well, I, I was thinking about something that's quite disturbing. I don't know if you guys want to hear it. Yes. So once a month, <laughs> once a month, can, can can Blees fight two people at once? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, she can. That's why she's so pissed off. It's a permanent case of PMS. <laughs> That's Chad at LanternCast.com. <laughs> now, let me ask you guys this. Completely not related. <clears throat> now, one big thing kind of across the the line of the New 52 is how they've kind of ratcheted up the the violence and the blood. Do you think that's the case with Red Lanterns? Like, in the the first two issues of this series, do you feel it was any more violent or bloody or gory than what we've seen since Rage of the Red Lanterns? I really don't think that you could do a, a Red Lanterns without it being as such. Um, I know, I'm, I mean, like, is it more now, though, with the relaunch? Mm, no. I don't think so. I think, if anything, maybe just a little bit. But like Jason said... You, you kind of need amped up violence in a Red Lantern exclusive book. Oh, yes. I mean, how do you... Like, <laughs> for instance, uh, Blee's, uh backstory, she was going to be raped, they cut off, they burned off her wings and all this other stuff, so, I mean, that, that was well before the fifth, New 52 was even thought of, so... I mean, I, I, I think it's still... As far as focusing on Red Lanterns, like if you were to just take the Red Lantern chunks out of all the previous Green Lantern books we've read and only read those, I don't think it's any more violent. Yeah. I don't think that if they were to do this before the launch, it would be any different in violence. Just because of the, the, the subject matter and the type of book it is. Yeah. That's basically why I thought, too. I just wanted your take on it because, like, like, I was flipping through it now and I'm thinking to myself, huh, yeah, no, this is... Cause I mean, it's noticeable. It's noticeable in other books, like it's gone up. 
But with this one, it's like it's just kind of stayed level, you know. Hi. So is this a pass for everybody? <laughs> yeah. 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 This, um, I like. I think on the the forums, I gave this a two out of ten. And the only other book that I gave that low a, uh, a score to was Mister Terrific, and thankfully I get to cancel that one. <laughs> what did you get? What would you have given a fire storm just to gate just to put in perspective? Oh, I didn't get that. Oh, firestorm number one then. Oh, firestorm number one. Um, a, a one. That was. Ooh. I I might give it a two because of some of the art. But that one was just, that was god-awful. Um, and on a side note, I'll mention this in the next La- uh, Larfley's report down the line, but they are going to make this cover a t-shirt. Huh. I mean, I don't know if that bodes well for the t-shirt, that the <laughs> issue sucked, but when we first saw the solicited <clears throat> cover for this uh, for this book, I was really excited about at least the cover image. Yeah, I mean, it's still, it's a really good image. It's a really good cover, and I, I said by before, and by God, I'll say it again, they have a good logo font, damn it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like this could have been a good issue if if we never saw Atrocitus in this issue, and if the girl got a ring. You know, mm. like, like you guys, you guys were saying it before. But, I mean, to expand upon it, like, the re- the way that this book would be good is if it was a Tales of the Core for mm. Red Lanterns. Yeah. And I and really hope... Go ahead. Uh, I really hope, like, when she was screaming in that page and you saw, like, that big red comet shoot through past her eyes, I hope that was a ring, but it turned out to be him. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and along the same line of thought with where this could have gone, Jim, because we we all pretty much have a good idea of who's going to be the person he brings to full consciousness. If this little girl got a ring, and if Blaze becomes the one who he brings to full consciousness, how creepy would it be to have Blaze be a mother figure for this little girl? Yeah, I, it would have been great. I, and My, like, yeah, the things that you could do with that kind of a story, and you know, to, to actually have something interesting like that, as opposed to aimless atrocities that has no fucking clue what he wants to do. Uh, you know, he's just really, really angry. You know, and it's like the tales of atrocities, you know, waxing poetical with the corpse of Krona, and, you know, going off and doing completely nonsensical shit across the universe. Nobody, nobody cares about that. It's bullshit. Give us tales of the Red Lanterns. That's why, what is it, issue four, where it's the tales of three Red Lanterns? Mm-hmm. Like, that has potential to be a really enter- you know, interesting, entertaining issue. Yeah, see, the problem, though, is how in the hell is that going to fit? I mean, say what you want about how shitty the story quality is. But at least issue one, two, and three kind of have a solid storyline. They're at least trying to attempt to make interesting. How in the hell are you going to throw a Tales of the Core one-shot kind of a thing in the middle of all this? It's almost like they're experimenting with different story elements and seeing what works. Well, I mean, no matter this isn't the place to do that. 
I think no matter how you slice it, they flat out like have not devoted any time whatsoever to developing any Red Lanterns beyond Atrocitus, Blees, and the occasional Rage Kitty appearance, like as characters. Like every other Red Lantern we've ever seen is just like background fodder. So you yeah. gotta start, and and they're drawing this line in the sand that okay, Atrocitus and now Blees. Probably, please, yeah, are going to be <laughs> are going to be the only like coherent people that we can really read as regular characters, and everyone else is like this this violent lunatic that doesn't make any sense or have any coherent thought. You kind of need to take a step back and do a tales of the core kind of thing to get inside their heads and make you give a crap about them beyond just a pack of wild animals. Maybe they should have done that in the beginning. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like you said, pass all around. Yeah. yeah. Still um, looking forward to number four. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll still be picking it up because it's a lantern book. Yeah. Yeah. Like a sucker. Uh, I'm looking forward to Beyond 4 because I've read some of the solicits and something mentions, is Krona really dead? Oh, God. So, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that obviously has pretty pretty terrible story potential coming down the line, but, you know, maybe it could bring, work. I don't know. They bring Krona back to life already? Are they Marvel? Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Just give him a Captain America shield. He'll come right back to life. Oh, man. <laughs> Bazinga! <laughs> wow. So what's next? Um, let's do something good. So what's that? No. Any one of these three. <laughs> Jason, Jason, you've been quiet. Want to tackle, uh, tackle Green Lantern? Sure. Uh, Green Lantern number two starts off with my main man, Sinestro, laying the smack down, talking shit to Hal Jordan, uh, once again teaching him that he still has a lot to learn, uh, takes it outside, talks some more crap to him, actually gives him a ring, uh, turns him into a Green Lantern, and... How Jordan thinks he's going to turn the tables and whoop some Sinestro ass. That didn't work out too well for him because Sinestro programmed that ring that he forged for Hal to not be able to affect him at all. Um, chaos ensues, as it always does in Central City. And the uh, Coast City, I mean. Um, and the bridge starts to break down. Let's go over the water. Uh, Hal Jordan does what he normally does and starts you know, rescuing a... A, uh, a person here or there, a, a car. And then Sinestro, once again, teaching him again, that's not the way you do it. Uh, he turned off his ring and then showed him how to repair everything instead of just picking up the pieces and setting them down. And then, as he goes on a little bit more, let's find out what the cause of that was and not just, you know, pick up the pieces and move on. And it is a Sinestro Corps member from 3215 who uh, is not too happy with Sinestro, the man himself, uh, for betraying the yellow light. Uh, Sinestro and Hal whoop his ass to where he is deceased. And then uh, Sinestro tells Hal that he's going to help him because he gave him the ring uh, to go destroy the army that was enslaving his homeworld. And that's where the issue ends. I, I have one issue 
and it's not really with this comic. It's just an issue in general. In this issue, they show us how amazing Sinestro can be as a lantern. So you kind of have to wonder, how the hell was Hal beating him year after year in all those old stories? I take it just as, like, if you get right down to it in terms of, like, just sheer power blasting each other in the face, Hal can overwhelm him. But if you actually try... If they... Because that's... Because Hal doesn't really do the construct thing that much, you know? He... He's more direct. He will make it... He will force the conflict to be less blast right at each other until somebody loses. I, I, can, I can buy that. Although, <clears throat> even, you know, up against the Sinestro Corps member, like, you know, Hal whips out a gun. And he's, like, shooting this, this Sinestro Corps member in the <laughs> face with this, this gun, like a million bullets. You know, and he, maybe, maybe the guy's a little phased or whatever. And then Sinestro comes in and creates, like, a giant sword that cuts him in half. Oh, was... Do you think Hal that was definitely trying to kill the dude? Well, Machine I mean, guns notwithstanding? I, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I think if he wasn't trying to kill him, he was trying to knock him out. And that certainly didn't happen with the bullets. Yeah. And how could well, the ring change the physical matter of the bridge to repair it? Because you got to figure all those pieces of concrete that are breaking apart, and that ring, Sinestro's ring, puts it all back together seamlessly. Um, so can it can it alter the physical properties? Let's ask that person. <laughs> I think the the ring has acted as like almost like a a welder or something in the past before. It it does emit heat if you want it to. Yeah. And the bridge is mostly, what, asphalt and steel, so... Well, you do have a lot of concrete, and... I mean, no, that... Jason's right. Like, structurally, it wouldn't be able to fix the concrete, but it could definitely fix the steel and the asphalt. Um, and you could see <laughs> that it is uh, reconnecting the uh, the cables and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, hey, did anybody know- else... Sorry, go ahead. Well, and and just throwing it out there because this is also a connection to the previous issue. It's kind of subtle because of how zoomed in the panel is, but right before the very last panel of the story, if you notice, Sinestro yet again destroys the Sinestro core ring. Yeah. Yes. Um, did anybody else think that uh, before turning the page and seeing that awesome like fix everything shot? Did anybody else think that the lesson he was going to teach Hal is that you can't always save everybody yes, and make him watch absolutely. while everybody died? Yes. Yeah, I, I totally thought it was going to be, uh, it's like you can't be so concerned with, you know, Earthlings, you have to pay attention to the big picture. You know, there are worlds dying while these people die on a bridge. What you I was think thinking it. I hate it. What? <laughs> unless 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 Monkey is drawing something alien, all of his Earth stuff looks odd. What, what about this giant alien he drew? Well, the giant alien is other than being <laughs> other than being uh, biologically almost impossible, 
I think it, <laughs> it, I think it looks pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why, like, Sinestro Corps members have to look scary and, uh, you know, Red Lantern really? Corps members have to... Uh, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean... Really? I mean, <laughs> why would a Sinestro Corps member make you afraid? Gee, let no, me no, 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 no. <laughs> No, it, it's it, the Sinestro Corps power is more than just looking scary and and all that. You don't it, to instill fear in someone doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it just by looking at them. But it helps. That, I does for Gorgor. I guarantee you, me walking up on somebody and somebody else walking up on somebody, it's a little bit of a difference. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just I'm just saying. Look at Sinestro. Just looking at the guy, you're not necessarily scared, but that. To him to be in control of the Fear Core, I mean, that's... I'm, I'm just saying. He started it? it! It's named after him! <laughs> Sinestro was scared. He, he looks like the devil. If he flies up to you, there's going to people that, be people that just die right on the spot. You're like, oh no, it's a giant Hitler! <laughs> it's Satan Hitler from space! Run, everybody! <laughs> um, uh, what did... I, there's so much in here is i want to see if you guys feel the same way like when hal first gets the ring and he shoots that giant shot sinestro he's stupid that too but is there a doubt in anybody else's mind that like i think he was going for a kill shot what do you guys think um i don't know about a kill shot but definitely um a knockout <laughs> shot he was definitely no. going for a knockout blow. No. Well, it's going for his center, his center body. Because if you look at the, the shot as it comes out of his ring, it's not aimed at his head. It's not pinpoint <laughs> accuracy. It's just a huge amount of energy being expelled. Right. The, the same kind of energy he shot at Krona. Yeah. Because I mean that's what I'm thinking. Like, what the last thing that he did with that ring is, is, gun down basically one of the biggest threats long-term to the Green Lantern Corps. And what's he, and he sees Sinestro, he knows Sinestro as long-term, one of the biggest threats to the Green Lantern Corps, who at all costs cannot be allowed to be wa- running around with that ring. So you think he was trying to kill him? Yeah, I mean, look at their exchange right before that. At, like, where, you know... Sinestro is blatantly talking about like how getting the ring. He says, you know, I'm giving you a what would it be now third, fourth chance. How many times have you thrown away, thrown this opportunity away? And at, and he's like, too many. Adios, Sinestro. And he says that as he fires a gigantic freaking shot right at Sinestro. So I think he was trying to kill him. I don't know. I mean, you don't like you don't say like you don't you don't say like goodbye, Sinestro, if you're just going to like knock somebody out and put them in jail. You know, it's like yeah, I, I suppose he doesn't. And to build on that, I suppose he doesn't even feel a, a a relationship or connection to the Green Lantern Corps. Sinestro created his ring. He's probably pissed off at the Guardians. He's he's just acting on his own will. He doesn't feel he has to arrest Sinestro, and he's got the the rings have the ability to kill. So, yes, he, he doesn't have anybody to answer to. Why wouldn't he take the kill shot? I could buy that. Yay! 
<laughs> now the thing the, the, the thing I was interested in besides the the cool explanation of the difference between a Green Lantern and a, and a superhero is how for the second time in this series Sinestro mentions in to quote the issue every single one of you is given into your sadistic urges instead of adhering to the code of conduct I created and I'm wondering because also in Red Lanterns you see Atrocitus becoming increasingly annoyed with the way his Red Lanterns act. I'm wondering if we aren't seeing like the effects of all these people and all these cores kind of popping up suddenly out of nowhere because of the the will and and direction of one particular person. You know, instead of taking time to build their core, they just said, "Okay, this is the fear core. It's based on this." And Estra started. He wants this to happen. Everybody just. Start recruiting people and let's do this. And same with Atrocitus. So I'm wondering if we aren't seeing the consequences of these cores being created so suddenly. That's a good point. Because, I mean, both of those cores were created for, like, very specific purposes. And if they're not actively doing that and they're just kind of lingering around, it's just going to start going to hell. How long was Hal Jordan without his ring? Like ten minutes. I would like say about that. a week. I, I would say like about a week. So, isn't it kind of just weird that that part where he grabs the girl? He's like, "You, you're Green Lantern." He's like, "Yeah, I guess I am." Well, he's been a Green Lantern for how many fucking years, and he loses it for a week, <laughs> and then he's like, "Yeah, I guess I am Green Lantern." Uh, yeah, and I'm. I still hate that. I hate that he. It was one issue. One issue. One. I. Uh, so, and I mean, sucked. Yeah, and there was there was there was enough cool stuff going on in this issue that I liked what we got, but at the same time, it I just uh, I hate the fact that he's back into the sci-fi cosmic stuff already. Although Anyone I do else think it. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I really like speaking right to that. I really do like the imagery of a uh, when Sinestro killed the ring, killed Hal's ring in the middle of saving everybody. He catches Hal in a construct of a ring which he can't get out of. So you literally have Hal Jordan trapped inside of a ring for a few minutes. On nice the same note. Pic- nice little picture of where his life is. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the same note, it took two pages for this woman to fall into the water. <laughs> I thought that was odd how... I mean, they almost had a whole conversation as this woman is falling to the water. <laughs> Oh, updrafts. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, what does everybody think of the cool concept of Hal having a ring that Sinestro can turn off and on whenever he feels like it? I called it. Yeah. Did you? All right. Yeah. Go go listen to the the <laughs> issue, the episode where we covered the number ones. Nah, I won't do that again. But <laughs> but I like I hope like I hope. If Hal's going to keep a ring, I hope he keeps this ring, and, and like this could still happen going forward. I think I think something's going to happen to change that in the next issue or two. Ah, uh, that would suck, so it'll probably happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Whose who's ring does Sinestro have? Does anybody remember? Did they even tell us? Random, I think. It was just one of those aimless ones that Mogo wasn't there to guide. Yeah. Watch it'll turn out to be somebody special's. Yeah. They'll retcon that in later. 
Oh, and Jason. Yeah. Jason, what do you think of uh, the fact that Sinestro's mission is apparently to try and destroy the Sinestro Corps? I think there's a little self-hate there. Um, you know, he's he got a little sad about himself. He probably talked to a therapist and realized <laughs> that uh, there's self-doubt in him, so he's going to destroy everything about him. No. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't think he actually wants to destroy the core. I think he just either wants to remake it or just uh, every once in a while you got to drag a horse out into the front and shoot it. So... Mm-hmm. Just got to make sure that everybody else falls in line because it's all about control with him. And I think that once he regains control, once he's back as the top dog in his own core, then he'd be just fine. But I think he wants to punish whoever enslaved his homeworld or who was calling the shots on that one. Yeah. Just as long as we have some yellow people flying around because I don't want to lose this group. Oh, no. I'll become a black man. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I could see this, like him not wa- wanting to, you know, like weed out the, the the people that don't adhere to his code of conduct. But I'm not even sure anymore if he wants to be the leader of his own corps again. Because if you read this, he's al- it's almost like Emerald Dawn again, while like Sinestro training Hal. I mean, granted, he's doing it a bit more um, callously than before, but it, he's still teaching him how to be a Green Lantern and how a Green Lantern should act, almost as if he's... Because we've we've been saying it all this time, I don't think Sinestro ever really wanted to destroy the Green Lantern Corps completely. He just wanted to destroy it as it is with the you know leadership of the Guardians and change oh, yeah. the way it operates. Oh, yeah. So I think he's... I mean, he still agrees with the purpose of the Corps, well, and he's just teaching how, how to act... As a true Green Lantern, as Sinestro sees a Green Lantern should act. Chad, make no mistake. Yes. The reason that he's showing Hal how to, you know, how to do things the right way is because he's about to take him on a very important mission, and he doesn't want him to fuck up. He wants him to be at his absolute best game. So he's saying, "Look, the way that you do things, you know, it, it may be all fine and good to be a superhero for that, but if you're out, you know, trying to." take, you know, take down planetary, you know, armies and stuff like that, you have to look at the entire situation and take care of it all at once, because he's about to go take on the Sinestro Corps, and basically it's two people going up against the Sinestro Corps, he needs Hal at his, at his best. Yeah, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean he has to back up the ideals of the Green Lantern Corps as he does it. He could just be talking generically about being a space cop or a hero, he doesn't necessarily have to back up Green Lantern uh, purpose in in the process. But that's how he's going to get Hal Jordan to not go to his side, but <clears throat> to go with his ideals. If he he knows that Hal Jordan believes in the Green Lantern Corps, just Does not he? absolutely. He just doesn't believe in the leadership of the Green Lantern Corps. Right. That's okay, my opinion. I could agree with that. <laughs> he believes in the Corps, just not the leadership. So if Sinestro can get it instilled in Hal Jordan to do things his way, even if just slightly, and then come more and more over towards Sinestro. So he's a master manipulator. He's going to convince him to do things that way. Then he has an ally, even if it's not up front, when he goes back to the Sinestro Corps, if they want to take on the Guardians. Because he knows he has as much uh, to begrudge the Guardians as Sinestro does. 
do you do you think that this is where we're going to see? Because some people have been saying that this is the fall of Hal Jordan was during the Green Lantern Corps War. Do you think this is the start of it? Because I'm thinking, because of what I said earlier, Sinestro still be- believes in the Green Lanterns, just not the leadership. Now we're seeing Hal put in the same position. <laughs> Do you think we could see Hal becoming more like a Sinestro figure and that prophecy of Hal will betray the Corps again, kind of evolving from this situation? I think Absolutely. it would be very interesting if, if I mean, we've, we've basically been predicting and begging for a split in the core for years now. And I think at this, it would be very interesting if at this point, Sinestro were to lead that like with Hal by his side, maybe even like Hal could be Sinestro's Kilowog for lack of a better term. You know, I mean, like, I mean, cause good. Or Sinestro would be the emperor and Hal Jordan's Darth Vader. There you go. He's pulling the strings (laughs) from behind. The curtain, and you know, you you teach him enough to be dangerous, but not enough to overthrow you. Yeah, and like you could even set it up where like, okay, Sinestro, you know, this mission puts the Sinestro core back in their place, so Sinestro can step back in as their leader, and you know, he he and Hal can kind of covertly like set up this like splinter branch of the Green Lantern Corps, and between the two of them, there can be this kind of un. It's like not publicly spoken about alliance between the two cores that maybe even the cores themselves don't know about, but the way that they're being run kind of keeps them out of conflict with each other kind of thing. I don't think that we're going to get a splinter group. Oh, that would be so cool. Oh, I do. I think we're going to get <laughs> splinters, but like... One of the things that was so great about Kyle as a Green Lantern was that he was the only one, he was one of a kind, and he was doing his own thing. Now, we know that, you know, it's prophesized that Hal is going to go rogue again, and that he's going to be fighting the Guardians. Now, okay, yeah, it would be cool if there was a whole group that splintered off, but I I think what they would, you know, be more likely to do is make Hal the splinter, you know, and if he teams up with, you know, the other cores or whatever like that, maybe he'll come to the realization that you need these other cores in some capacity throughout the universe because there are so many different emotions, you know, and maybe by working alongside with Sinestro, maybe for some, some reason he'll see that there is a reason to have Sinestro core members or whatever. I don't know, but... But bottom line, like, I have a feeling that it's not like you're going to have, like, this whole splinter group off the, you know, the the Guardians. I think we will. And I'll explain (laughs) that. I'll explain that later when we get to Green Lantern Corps. Alrighty. I feel like we've discussed it in a previous episode um, about the... um, Solicits for an upcoming issue of Green Lantern. Which one? (laughs) Where Sinestro teaches Hal how to do something with the rings that no other Green Lantern knows of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we talk about that episode? We mentioned that, yeah. You said, like, maybe it's going to be, like, teaching you to power it yourself kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. 
So. I guess the only other thing I have to say about this issue is it's it's really like this is this is absolutely the Sinestro is awesome issue. You know, even just at the very beginning, where he just very firmly puts Hal in his place, and it just showcases how powerful Green Lantern is when he's like, "Look, I all I have to do is think the wrong way, and this platform can turn into freaking fire and kill you. Like, I got there's there's no limit. I could do whatever I want. You are completely helpless. I'm Sinestro. You suck." So. Shut up right now. Paraphrasing. That's You're basically what happened. helpless as a little baby. The one, yeah, no. the one thing that I want to add, I was looking at it as, you know, you know throughout the, the whole uh, issue, the new, like, style changes for Hal's costume. Mm-hmm. You know, with, like, they added a few lines here and there. Like, I don't have a problem with it, but it doesn't seem to add very much to the, the costume, and it just seems like it's giving the artist a lot more work throughout the whole issue. A lot more work? Well, I mean, you got to have these, <laughs> these lines, you know, particular lines going through the costume every time you see the costume, and they have to be contoured the, very, you know, the right way. So the artist has to, you know, perceptualize how those you know, lines are going to look in every single pose. Well, that's not a big deal at all. Uh, I mean, it's a bigger change to the costume to have him to give Hal that particular kind of collar than it is to put some lines on his shoulder. You know, is I, I equate this change to Rebirth taking Hal from having, like, a big bathing suit to having a shirt. You know, it, it's a minimal change. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't think it adds. I don't think it adds enough to really warrant it. Well, not individually. I think the the um, the point of of uh, these alterations, like, because they're making those alterations to basically everybody who's in the Justice League, because they wanted that group to have kind of a slightly uniform kind of look to them, since they're going to be like a team. So, yeah. Next. I just want to note, I passed on this one last time. This one's a buy. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. We do that now. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> do you guys want to keep doing that? Or <laughs> yeah, we could. They this, don't care. Yeah, This is a definite <laughs> buy for me. I'll buy it. I, don't really I have to buy it either way. <laughs> Next. You want me to go, Chad, or you want to go? Uh, it's up to you. I'll go. All right. Green Lantern, New Guardians, number two, written by Tony Bedard, art by Tyler Kirkham, and Harvey... Tolabeo. Tolabeo. Yeah, that guy. And Tolabeo. inked by a bat. It's the best pet anyone has ever had. So it picks up right where last issue left off. You know, Kyle is surrounded by by members of the different cores on Earth in the middle of Times Square, actually, because they're all adamant that he stole rings from members of their core and left them to die in space in most cases, which, you know, he's kind of confused about since he didn't do that. He was in a bar as... Or no, that was a flashback. Whatever, he didn't do it. <laughs> and he doesn't want to 
want to fight in the middle of New York City because everyone would die. So he tries to escape, but, you know, they're not having it. Uh, Arkillo just throws him through the street into the subway, and we get this this kind of cool, you know, because Arkillo still doesn't have a tongue. Thank you, continuity. He... So his ring is kind of talking for him, and he gets pissed off that he keeps pointing out his personal failings. <laughs> um, uh, we get this cool fight scene with Arkillo versus a train. Then the art becomes awesome, and and Kyle's kind of on the ropes until Saint Walker shows up, and the two of them just hightail it out of there. You know, Kyle's sure that the others are going to just keep following him because they want the rings, and the rings are. The rings are staying with Kyle. You know, he flies through space. They fly right next to him. It's he can't shake him. Uh, so Saint Walker and Kyle head to Oa to try and you know get some answers from Ganthet. You know, figure out why the hell these rings are behaving the way they are. Why they came to Kyle out of nowhere just randomly. Uh, meanwhile, the the uh, other lanterns on Earth, who I guess we should say are Belize, Fatality, uh, Arkillo, and Monk. They decide to form a little alliance amongst themselves to, <laughs> to to take out Kyle and get their rings back. Well, not their rings, but their core's rings. You know what I mean? Um, you know they get. Meanwhile, uh, Kyle and Saint Walker get to Oa. Saint Walker stays on above the atmosphere because he's banned from Oa. And you know when Kyle confronts the Guardians, that he finds that they basically kind of lobotomized Ganthet. So he's an emotionless not robot, but you know, he's he's all the things that make the Guardians suck. And you know, speaking of the Guardians sucking, they all lunge at Kyle demanding to know what he's doing with those rings and by God they will torture the shit out of him to get the answers. To which the rings reply by jumping on Kyle's fingers and <laughs> Transforming him into the ugliest thing ever. Speaking of thank God for continuity, yeah. how awesome is it that not only does Arkillo not have a tongue anymore like he's supposed to, that they also remembered that the Indigo tribe can access other powers, that star sapphires can create crystal constructs to detain people, and that St. Walker's blue ring can power up a green lantern ring. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh man. Yes. Did, you, and, uh, did you actually mean what you said about the art? I you know, I actually did like that art. Oh, my God. I do. I put it this way. I'm happy with Tyler Kirkham and the job he does now. I like this better. Oh, God. I like the way he draws Star Sapphire. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. Sorry I interrupted you. No, no problem. When Blee shoots out the blood vomit, he shoots it straight up into the air. Isn't that just going to come right back down onto more people? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes it is. And he even says, you know, uh, what did he even say? I forget Closest what he said. fireworks ever. Yeah, he's like, we are not throwing down in the middle of 8 million people. You just shot a giant wad of fire vomit acid into the sky where it's going to rain down on more people than it would have hit in Times Square. <laughs> well, no, no, it's... it's They vomit, like, acid fire. Oh, that's so, different. <laughs> like, what I what I figure is, like, if it has enough time to dissipate, it's just going to, like, burn itself off into the air. Sure. What is the Red Ring's uh, 
or the green constructs? What did they do to the red? What was the relationship to those? Well, it's supposed to burn them away. Yeah, that's what I was about to mention. Corrupt them and break them. So wouldn't that have not worked at all? That's correct. It shouldn't have. Or maybe it should, since it's Kyle. Mm. What? Look, there's obviously something special about this jerk. (laughs) Oh, right. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's right, because... If you can overcome rage, maybe then your green constructs would be immune to the red vomit. And if he has the blue ring tagging along, shouldn't his green ring be overpowering anyways? Well, that's no. only if he's wearing it. No, he's so not it? using it. Okay. No, not only that, but uh, I remember specifically in one of the Blue Lantern, uh, when he first appeared... So Saint Walker said, "If I'm near you, and if I hope for your well-being." Yep. Okay. Speaking of which, Saint Walker, uh, what what is this other guy's name? Harvey Tulabo, Tulabo, whatever his name is. He draws a good Saint Walker. I I am pleased with his Saint Walker. Uh, the, my okay, I don't think that this Harvey Tulabo was is a bad artist but i mean like the styles are so incredibly different it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty jarring difference yeah um and additionally like the uh what you call it the encasing ma- the kyle and crystal is a little it's a little confusing what's confusing well like she's <laughs> shooting energy at him and then she flies off, and then the next thing you know, he's, like, breaking out of a crystal construct. No, 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 no. Like, the first, the first page of this guy's artwork, like, he sees Belize, he's like, what the hell happened here? And Fatality shows up, she's like, oh, I, I sealed her up inside uh, my crystal. And while she's saying that, she's shooting energy that's forming crystals around him. And then, like, the bomb panel of that page... It's for it's encased around him even more, and then like she has a little back and forth with Monk, and then you look back at him, he's fully encased, and he's starting to break out. But he's just like it's like nothing's coming out of his ring while the construct is happening, so it just doesn't make any sense. What do you mean out of his ring? But well, when she shoots energy at him, yes. And the crystal starts forming. His ring is basically just like silent; it's not doing anything. So she caught him by surprise. Eh. I dislike the way Monk looks tremendously. His face. <laughs> yeah. I dislike the way Kyle looks, especially when he gets to Oa, and it's basically like he's on—he's underwater. The way his hair is drawn. It's like he's underwater. And then when you go back to Tyler Kirkham's drawing, it's like, you know, the shag that he normally has in the book. Uh, I'd, I think Kirkham gives him too... Give, uh, blah, blah, blah. I think Kirkham makes his hair too long. But I it's mean... Not, it's not like that because he's descending down? He's... Well, he's, he's standing when he's next to 
uh, Salak, and then in the next panel, they're still standing next to each other. Oh, and in the third panel, he's still standing next to next to each other, but his hair is like straight up. And I, you know, like granted, whatever you feel about how Kirkham draws his hair, Kirkham's the artist on the book, and that's what Kyle's supposed to look like. Well, what I like about Kirkham's art, if you look at the panel where he the rings actually go onto Kyle's fingers. Kirkham understands these emotions and the powers attached to him because look at the start, the energy coming off each of the rings. The red is like this angry fire and the, the blue is just this wisp of smoke and the, the star sapphires is those, you know, curly cues that we've all seen uh, coming off the star sapphires. It's, he makes, he takes the time to put a different energy that associates with the different emotions on each ring. Yeah. Which I which I appreciate. I think it's really cool. Well, that's like how he draws the energy that flows around <laughs> the violet ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like, love streamers. Yeah. So, what do we think of this costume on the last page? Wondering where the orange symbol is. That's on his ass or something. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> well, the orange ring does go on him, but this is like the second or third time it's not mentioned because they mention all the other welcome to the specific core, but they don't mention the orange. Right. And I'm wondering if, if, I mean, because before we thought maybe they're not mentioning the orange because of, you know, whatever specific reason, but it said each of the rings is clearly floating in front of him before they go on his finger. <clears throat> and each of them clearly goes on his finger, but orange doesn't say you have been chosen and orange yeah. doesn't say welcome to the core. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering what what the plot point is there because before we thought it was just you know huh, whatever it, it probably has no significance but now I don't know I have this fear that they're going to forget about the big pile of orange rings on Okara I hope because, not because they make they even at Saint Walker make a point of saying yeah you know that orange ring over there, there's only one after all, and it's here with you, so maybe its owner is dead, which, you know, he's not going to be. But, I don't know. I don't know. Well, St. Walker, would he know about that pile? Oh, probably not. I don't think so. So, I mean, uh, to his knowledge, there is only one ring. Yeah. Um, The problem... The, the problem I have mostly with this issue, besides the fact that Kirkham wasn't able to do the art on everything, because while I do like, in some places, the substitute artist's work, I just, I think he does, there's, a, there's like almost a, a single mistake in each panel, which with Kirkham's art isn't necessarily true. Um, but the, the Ganthet thing, they basically tease that at the end of two or three, uh, at least two different issues and yeah. I don't think I don't, I don't think that what that we ended up with was worth that many teases. I think we all knew that was coming in some form or another. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, mean, I think it sucks that they they lobotomized Ganthet, but it wasn't presented in a very very dramatic way. But we I think knew Kyle's was reaction coming. was. Yeah, yeah, we knew it was coming. Yeah. I mean, Kyle is is visibly upset that they did that to Ganthet. 
And I was too. I mean, yeah, I wasn't happy with how many times they teased it and what I already knew was coming. But I at least, you know, granted it wasn't as big of a reaction as I would have hoped, but they had other story points to get across in this issue. But I think <laughs> Kyle has every right to be upset. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the, the last point that I think I want to make with this is, uh, let's see, the editor on this is uh, Pat McCollum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, okay, I understand that Tyler Kirkham wasn't able to finish the, the issue. Okay, that's fine. But, and they have their, you know, incredible deadlines <laughs> that they have to meet. But, you know, obviously Harvey Tolabao, Tolabao, you know, has a different style than Tyler Kirkham. So either, you know, get somebody that has a a more similar style or get a fill-in artist that can, you know, for at least these pages, do something a little bit closer to his style. Like, it's almost like... They just said, okay, Harvey, you know, we need you to draw these pages, you know, just run wild. And Harvey's like, oh, great, I'm going to do this in my signature style. And he made absolutely zero (laughs) effort to make this look anything even remotely close to Tyler Kirkamart, so that it's it's especially jarring. Well, Jim, remember that DC is making a big point of, of stressing timeliness right now. It's like they're like they've already replaced like very publicly replaced creators on a number of books because they they like even before the new 52 started they said we're going to to require people to have this much in the can this far in advance and if that's not going to happen then we're going to get somebody new then i i think that that's an excellent decision but yeah, i but mean I, well, okay what i'm getting at is look at okay well I hate having to bring him up every single episode. God. Daniel HDR. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, if you tell him to alter your style to look a little more like this, he can do it. So, I mean, like, what I'm getting at is you have DC Comics. They're a freaking enormous company. You figure how many fill-in artists must they have, and even aside from fill-in artists that they actually have on the payroll just like freelancers that they do work with, you're trying to tell me that they can't find anybody either with a closer style or to tell this guy to create a closer style. I mean, it's almost like this guy said, I'm, okay, I'm going to do my signature style just to get it out there and published so that way I'll have something of my own to put on my resume. And... That should have been caught by editorial. Editorial should have said, we want something to look more in style with this. But you're putting a lot of this, as, you're blaming the artist for a lot of this. I'm blaming editorial. No, I'm you're, blaming you're, entirely. Like, like you're giving, you're giving the, the artist like, like this nefarious agenda of like, ha, huh, they want me to drug half of this Green Lantern issue. I'm going to do it how I want it to serve my larger plans. <laughs> well, when okay. I, when it comes no, if, when it comes if, down no, to no, it, no, because when it comes down to it, oh, no, go ahead, you make yours. What I'm saying is like, if if nobody tells him to to do this, if nobody says we want you to make it look like the style, then of course you're going to do it in your own style. So 
it's not like he's doing like a nefarious thing, but in the back of his mind, he is definitely thinking, oh, well, this is great. I'll get my style out there and it's going to be seen. But if he had gotten the direction from editorial saying, we need this to look more like this style, then I think he would have at least tried. I'm definitely, I'm not pinning this on the artist. I think the, the big piece of information we don't have to work with right here and is the most important piece of information is time. Because it depends, we, what we don't know is how long did they have to get a replacement and how long did that replacement have to finish the job? Because it, sometimes it literally does come down to, okay, we need someone who can turn around and do half an issue in a week. Who is available? And it's like, I, I wish this wasn't true, but I've, I've, I've heard it from more than one editor and more than one artist that you know, they're going to go, if, if they're on the crunch, they're going to go with the guy that can do it fast over the guy who could do it better. It's like, we don't like, like, you know, maybe they could have, maybe they wanted to go with Daniel HDR, but Daniel HDR was busy doing something else and he wouldn't be able to finish it in time. So they grabbed this guy and just said, okay, you, we know you work fast enough. Do these 10 pages or whatever it is. We have to get this book out. I suppose. On a lighter note, <laughs> uh, Hey guys, what color is Bleeze's skin? Blue. Is it? Because uh, it's not I'm... here. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to look at her original story. I don't remember what it was in the original. I'm pretty sure it was blue. I think it was blue in the original, and it's blue in Red Lanterns. But in this book, regardless of who's drawing it, it's white. And I do believe in her lead figure, it's white. So I don't think DC, I don't think DC knows. Great, another white character. Damn well, this, racist jerks. This is colored by Ney Rafino. <clears throat> well, I, I just looked at my lead figure. She has like a blue tint to her skin. It's not just pure white. It's It's got this bluish hue to it. Alright, so it's both. <laughs> kind of like how they gave St. Walker that subtle head tail on the figure after they gave it to him in the second issue. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, overall, I really like this issue. And I, I liked... At first, I kind of wish they gave us a different blue lantern than St. Walker, but in the context of the story, I'm glad it was him. Because he's like... He's a very clear-cut ally for Kyle, and that's that's important with all the gray that he has from everybody else right now. And it's well, also important with the relationship with Ganthet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and on that note, I think I mean, where do you think this is headed? Because I'll, does anybody think that Ganthet is going to stay like this? I hope not. <clears throat> Yeah, and, and and since he where he's probably not going to stay like this, how do you see him reacting? I, I, would he still want to be a Green Lantern? Would he go back to being a Blue Lantern guardian, or would he go to being a partner to Kyle Rayner? I think he's faking it. Oh, that'd be mm-hmm. interesting. Oh, 
I mean, I I would personally like to see Ganthet go back to the Blue Lanterns, but I also think he has too much invested in the Green right, like over from his entire life to really just surrender it wholesale to the rest of the Guardians when he knows they don't have their shit together. So maybe Jason's right, and he's gonna try and work that angle from the inside. And what the hell is up with this cover? Because everything's fine, except Saint Walker is just wearing a blue Hal Jordan costume. Oh, well. Ah. Next. Oh, well, wait. Is this, uh, well, well, what, what are we doing with this? Pass? Good? Bye? Bye. Bye. Yeah, bye. Well, well I, the only thing I, I did want to say... Um... Next! Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Dad, dad. <laughs> Uh, well, Next! No. <laughs> I'm, 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 that was the last time. I, you go. Fuck you, Ford. <laughs> Anyways. Go Dodge. Um, at the beginning of the, the very first issue, we got more exposition on to why Ganthet picked Kyle. And then in, the, in Blackest Night, he revealed that all of the other cores' rings functioned on the same program, basically, that the Green Lanterns did. So Ganthet, assuming the Guardians, know about these other rings, not just these other emotions, but how the rings function. So I think if Ganthet obviously isn't going to be in this position anymore, or very long, of being lobotomized, whether he's faking it or not, I don't think he stays as part of the Green Lanterns, and I don't think he goes back to the Blue Lanterns. I think he becomes kind of like an agent for Kyle Rayner, like telling, sending him out to do certain things because he has a working, like having because he has a working knowledge of not just the Green Lantern ring but every other core. Can wear cool shades, <laughs> an eye patch maybe, like a Nick Fury. Nah, I want him to be. I want him to pull like a CSI Miami. I want Ganthet to be like the Horatio Kane of space. Kyle Rayner, agent of Ganthet. <laughs> uh. <sighs> All right, Chad. I was thinking more of a quantum leap type thing. He can be Al. Awesome. <laughs> uh, moving on, I guess. Yep. Yes. Alright. Green Lantern Corps number two by Peter J. Tomasi, Fernando Pissarin, and Scott Hanna. Uh, we open where the last issue left off with uh, Guy, Sheriff, whatever her name is, uh, and a, you know, a couple of other lanterns on the planet that has been sucked of its water and killed two Green Lanterns left on pikes and the entire population of the world, uh, not to mention. Uh, Isamot screams random sentences for no reason. Uh, chops down the bodies and sends them back to Oa, and then they get a detection that this energy that destroyed this, basically this destroyed this planet, has been detected somewhere else. They've opened another um, portal on another world, uh, seemingly sucking away the trees and plant life of this world. Um, while the Green Lanterns are fighting back uh, against this and trying to save the civilians in the process, these armored agents who look like they're actually aliens from different worlds, almost like a evil Green Lantern Corps, uh, bust through the portal and start fighting the Green Lanterns, surprisingly able to 
break their constructs and fight back, Izamot decides to go back through the portal and shut it down at the source, which he does. Um, meanwhile, the Green Lanterns detain these uh, black agents, or whatever you want to say, and uh, Izamot comes busting back through the portal, only he has... his All of his limbs are missing, and his Green Lantern ring is now on his tongue. Uh, he's screaming, they're all coming, and... You get the last uh, the last page, a splash page of all of these black evil ops agents busting through a portal coming to attack the Green Lanterns. And that's it. The only thing I didn't really like about this issue, I mean, I'm not, I'm still not quite digging the art as much as I should be, but... Yeah, there's too much shading. Yeah, I still don't know what... I gotta go look at back at, like, the full creative team on uh, Emerald Warriors. Because I don't know if it's just, like, inking differences or what, but, um... Uh... There's a bunch of instances and some entire pages in this thing where it's just devoted to to Green Lantern standing around repeatedly making the point that, er, Green Lantern angry, er... It's like, yeah, no, we get it. You're pissed off at what happened, but you just, you keep repeating it over and over again. You guys notice that these guys uh, are all armed with uh, green energy swords? Yep. And and here's where my point from Green Lantern comes in about the um, someone accessing and being able to be a different... Accessing willpower and, and be a splinter tribe of the core. We've been oh, yeah. talking... We've been talking about how the different emotions are kind of extreme... And while willpower remains neutral, <clears throat> neutral doesn't necessarily mean good and doesn't necessarily mean bad. For the most part, Green Lanterns are essentially good. What if we're getting another, in this particular bad guy core, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> someone accessing willpower and using it for essentially evil? I mean, look at look at their the weapons they have. They're wielding green swords. This guy on this panel is surrounded by green lanterns, which kind of look like the Tangent Universe lantern for some reason. Um, but it's very clearly the exact same green uh, hue as, as Green Lantern will. And these guys are really powerful, and, not to mention, they are able to take down and destroy the constructs of green lanterns. And also, they, like basically grasp onto the rings um, on the fists of Guy and uh, John, and uh, they say, your will is our will, Lanterns. I guess to either absorb it or <laughs> block it. Well, what's interesting is, like, the the only... Uh, they they out saying here, the only reason that Guy and John were able to to blast those guys back was because their will, like they, after struggling, they managed to, to basically outwill those guys. So like, it might be a case of, of, you know, a, a big thing for a long time is that just about anybody could be a green lantern. If you're strong willed and can wear a ring. So, you know, what if Chad's right? And, oh my God, what if Chad's right? No, <laughs> And uh, you've got this other group over here that 
that has learned to use the energy, but they don't quite have as simplistic an interface. You know, if, if they had to, like, work for it harder or train harder to the point that, yeah, okay, your average Green Lantern isn't going to to have quite the level of uh, control or be as adept at using this power as their average soldier is. Perhaps. <clears throat> I mean, I really like the exchange they have with that one captive guy towards the end there, where he's like, he seems he's kind of nice about the whole thing. You know, he's like complimenting them on like you know we didn't. What do you say? Uh, it's like that was that was very impressive and. Uh, that was a very expressive and impressive display of willpower. Quite unexpected. Uh, and he's like, even, even, what does he even say? He was even struck me as being a little respectful about the lanterns who they killed along the way, too. Um, also <laughs> important to note that you can see the skeletons in their arms. Yes. Oh, and the, um, uh, on their home world, when there's like a flash of light, you can kind of see that their uh, leader's jaw is all like skeletal and stuff, too. It's Skeletor. Yay! <laughs> so, what do you think? Why do these guys hate the Green Lanterns? Think they think the Guardians destroyed their planet or something? Um, maybe they are, um, followers of the First Lantern. Ooh. Maybe the, uh, the Blades, like, tap into a very simplistic version of willpower. Mm. <laughs> a very basic lightsaber. Nice. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, everything they're, all the thefts they're performing, it seems to be... Because, like, look at the planet they're on. It's, like, barren, and it's night all the time, maybe. And what do they do? They seal water so they can have an ocean again. And they stole, what was it, an atmosphere? Or, like, the building blocks of an atmosphere from the second world? Well, they yeah, they wanted the creatures for the atmosphere. Yeah. So, I mean, they're very blatantly trying to make their planet a livable place again. Maybe they're all, like, dead and don't want to be... I don't know. It's interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering who put... I mean, it's probably not very big of a plot point, but I'm wondering who put the ring on Izamot's tongue. Him or them? Hmm. Well, the other thing is, they cut off all his limbs, so now he's limbless just like they are. Oh, oh! These could be ex Green Lanterns, you think? I I don't know. That that particular point doesn't seem like it would make a lot of sense to me, though. Well, I mean, th why why the severed fingers? What has the corpse done to you? And the guy responds, "What hasn't it done?" Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe it's not like an overarching. Like, you know, like for Atrocitus, you destroyed my planet, my sector. Maybe it's each of these persons has a specific vendetta against the core and has all come together under the leadership of this one guy. 
well, to fulfill those vendettas. And plus it would make it easier for them to access the power of will if this particular uh, group of people is in fact accessing willpower. The one thing that I was thinking about was, um, you know, you, you have these, the, like a, a simple sword that looks like it's, uh, you know, willpowered. We, we don't know that yet. Um, but it's, it's very, very basic. So what if this is some kind of like, uh, oh, and the other thing is they don't have arms. Like all you see is their skeletons. So what if this is like some kind of, um, I don't know, like first, uh, first trial at Green Lanterns after the Manhunters, um, and it was a failed experiment and it like, like infected these people and they couldn't handle it and it ended up like eating away at what made them human or, you know, what made them actual people, um, <clears throat> much in the same way that the kryptonite ring ended up killing off Lex Luthor back in, I don't know, one of the previous continuities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or hell, what if, like, the Guardians tried to turn an entire population into this, and it didn't go right, and that's how this planet died? I, You know, I don't think that's the case, because they all look different. I think, uh, was it Chad, did you say, that, like, an evil Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, because we've been saying how Will, or especially you, Jim, has been saying how Will is the neutral center. It's not necessarily good, not necessarily bad. So if the Green Lantern Corps is essentially good, what if this is accessing the same power, just essentially evil? Well, I, I don't, I don't think that this is for evil. I think, um, I, I think that these are like this could very well be a first generation of Green Lanterns that were spurned by the Guardians and forgotten about. And, like, if you're spurned like that and just forgotten about and left to rot on the outer rims of the universe that the Guardians no longer care about, and your bodies are withering away because they're eaten away by the first, you know, poor attempt at a Green Lantern weapon for humans... And they're all, you know, different, so they're all representatives of different races, it looks like, because, you know, everybody's got a different skin tone on their face. Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, to indicate that they are all different, as opposed to, like, one firm planet that the Guardians took everything away from. These are are people that are banished. Well, to support that theory, have you, I mean, I don't know if you guys want me to say anything. Have you read the solicit for Green Lantern Corps number five? I have not. I don't remember. But you can spoil you, it for me. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, the solicit says, and there's two points here. Guy Gardner must assemble a strike force to invade the genocidal keepers, and here's the word, dimension, and rescue his imprisoned teammates John Stewart and Vandor. And, and this is the second point that's kind of cool to bring up, and guy recruits, guys recruits are the nastiest Green Lanterns to ever put on the ring. So I'm thinking we might see the return of the corpse. Uh, didn't he just, didn't he just recruit and get killed the nastiest people to put on the <laughs> ring? Like, that was the last four series. Months, like five months ago. <laughs> Tell me they're going to the fifth dimension. Oh, uh, that'd be, if they're all from Mitzelplix's, however the hell you say that. If that's the if that's them, that would be amazing. I wonder if they're uh, 
Krang's minions from Dimension X. Yes. <laughs> or the Guardians have banished them to another dimension because they don't want to be reminded of their failure. Oh, man, could you imagine if these were foot soldiers? That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, foot soldiers took a decade off and became badass. <laughs> uh, okay. I was kind of concerned that they might actually blow up Izamot just because they haven't done anything with him in forever. <laughs> but, you know, he's still okay. He's he's smaller now, but he's still, it's still good. He'll grow back. I hope <laughs> Hope he will grow back. Yeah, he's more aerodynamic, right? Hey, he's like a bullet now. Unless they cauterize those wounds. Oh, then just cut him again. He'll be fine. <laughs> hey, he gave his legs to somebody one time, and they grew back. He'll be okay. But yeah. Over, okay. you know, overall, I think all four of these issues were a marked improvement over their number ones. Now, granted, it was to different degrees, but I think as they're going, they're getting better. Um, I think uh, Red Lantern number two was about on par with number one. Nah. Yeah, I could see that, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I, like like you said, Dan, to varying degrees, but mm-hmm. at least in number at least in number two of Red Lanterns, we got something other than Atrocitus bitching and moaning and waxing eloquent about nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, you know what? To be fair, also, they didn't include that story about the uh, the grandfather and the two brothers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I so, miss them. I hope they're okay. That helps. <laughs> yeah. That'll come back. Everybody read uh, Justice League number two. Yeah. Yep. Chad. Of course. That was pretty good. Oh, it was pretty so good. good. <laughs> uh, it was outstanding. It's such a good book. Yeah. Uh, you know, this... it's it's probably you know one of the, if not the best book, the DC is putting out right now. And it absolutely should be because it's the Justice League. Just like the oh god, the 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 dialogue between Hal and Barry just make that issue so awesome. Like even like everything else in the issue is awesome, but that even if it was just that, that would be awesome. Like like he just calls him on the phone. It's like Barry Allen, Flash, is this the Flash? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you? Call- Don't call me here. What are you doing? Yeah. Team me up with Batman. Batman's real. Yeah, and he's a tool. Yeah. <laughs> I like the addition to well maybe it's not an addition I've never really read much Flash but I like the addition that Flash says um, yeah I'm a cop but he's not necessarily a vigilante because he quote never breaks the law yeah mm. I have to say with Jim Lee drawing the Superman costume I buy it I don't necessarily buy it when other people are drawing it but right here like this is a good costume when he's drawing it. Oh, yeah. And I picked up number two and three of OMAC. Still pretty good. Nice. And I've also, I've also started picking up, because I finally found a reprint of number one, uh, Action Comics. So I've read one, two, and three of that. Uh, I read and the first pr- two of that. That is such a good book. Yeah, it's pretty outstanding. Yeah, issue one left me with a little degree of, uh, wait, what did I just read? 
but issue two like completely ironed out any problems I had. What you call it? The biggest surprise this month for me was uh, Captain Adam number two. Good surprise or bad surprise? Good surprise. You know, like with the first one, uh, the first time I tried to read it, I fell asleep halfway through. Which, <laughs> granted, like I was very tired, so that didn't help things. But you know, it's just like I, I finally, you know, ended up uh, finishing it. And I mean, like, I was a little curious as to what was going to happen the next issue, but I had already bought the second issue anyway, because um, that one I wanted to give another shot to, just in case, because I do really like the character. And uh, the second issue, I mean, like, it was a huge departure from the first issue. Um, So, I mean, like, in terms of continuous storytelling and tone and stuff like that, I guess... Maybe it's not the best, but by the same token, like, the second issue, it really, it had, like, a, a bunch of really cool aspects going on, um, and it was a fun story, so I was, I'm, like, really looking forward to the third issue now. Jason, what are you reading? I actually bought all of the, the number ones, but I haven't read them all. Ah, okay. Um, I've read about halfway through. Uh, the boy read most of them, of course. <laughs> of course. But uh, Batman is phenomenal. Yes. And Batman yes. or Batman and Robin or Detective or just Batman. Yes. Okay. Agreed. It's lovely. Uh, Justice League is. I'm reading those, but I haven't picked up any of the number twos aside from Justice League and the uh, the Lanterns. With uh, the Batman books, I'm buying um, Batman and Detective Comics. I canceled the uh, what was the third one? Batman and Robin. No, I was never getting that one. Dark Knight? Yeah, I, I, I skipped that one. That was awful. Especially for a Jason Grice namesake book. <laughs> um, but what you call it, like, the first, the, for the first issues, I loved Batman, and I really liked Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. For the second month, like, Detective Comics, like, amped it up to 11. And it was just, like, insane, the whole issue. Uh, and Batman was good, but I felt like the ending was a little, uh, I don't know, kind of a jip as far as mysteries go. Like, what was the, the term? Um, like an unfair mystery that you can't actually solve because they're not actually giving you all the information until the end. Right. What mis- What mystery? It wasn't supposed to be a mystery. <clears throat> oh, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But, yeah, but the way they presented it, I still really liked it. Oh, I thought it was very good, and I'm definitely on board. Like, I'm very happy that there are two Batman books that I am looking forward to reading. And, you know, it, just like Captain Adam was a huge surprise, like the fact that Tony Daniel, um, who normally I'm not that huge a fan of with the Batman, like, the fact that he took Detective Comics and... One, you know, issue one was a good issue. Number two was a fantastic issue. And I haven't gotten to the comic book store, but I'm like, I'm really, really dying to pick up that third issue. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually really enjoying Batgirl now. It's like the first issue I read, it, I'm like, yeah, that's okay. Then the more I thought about it and I look back through, I'm like, you know, I actually really like this. And I read issue two, and I'm like, I really like this. I, th- I think they went a little quickly with revealing stuff about the villain, but other than that, you know, I'm just enjoying 
Like, I'm enjoying, like, the character of Barbara Gordon, how she's dealing with, like, she knows she jumped back into being a superhero way before she was ready. And it's just seeing her react to certain stuff the way she does. Like, this is, like, like yeah, I want to know how she got the use of her legs back as much as everybody does, but I'm happy just reading the stories they're giving me right now. You know what I like, or not like, don't like about Batgirl? What? Is the the teaser for Fury of Firestorm in there? Yeah. Did you see? I mean, yeah, I, on like, the back of the train. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's cool and all, but I think it's ridiculous. I mean, just work on your book. Don't tease another book you're working on. Eh. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's also like it's it's so throwaway though. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking? Do you other guy, uh, yeah. Jim, Jason? You know what I'm talking about? I know. No. Uh, on the back of a subway train in Batgirl, uh, there's a like some graffiti um, that says Professor Stein is still alive or something like that. Uh huh. And Batgirl per, is in, in any way promoting another book, especially a book like Fury of Firestorm, just <laughs> seems off-putting to me. Right. <laughs> Especially because it's Fury of Firestorm. Uh, well, not necessarily. Whether or not Fury of Firestorm was good or bad, just the two Batgirl promoting Firestorm. It's not. It's. I mean, I maybe mean, if it was promoting another Batman book or something like that. It would be okay. But just the the, the juxtaposition between the two types of characters. Yeah, know. not much crossover there. I mean, something yeah. that used to happen all the time would be, you know, you'd be reading a Fantastic Four comic, and in one panel, you know, somebody would be standing in front of a window or on a roof or something, and in the way in the distance, you see Spider-Man swinging by. And it would have nothing to do with anything. It was just, hey, we're all in the Marvel Universe, so Spider-Man's there, too. Yeah. And, like, this is the same thing, you know? Uh, now, Dan, you really enjoyed the first issue of Firestorm. Yes, and I stand by that. I think issue one was a good issue. What did you think of issue two? Issue two may have lost me. <laughs> because, like, I don't know. It's just Story or art? Or both? Uh, mainly, I guess mainly story. I think the art did, like... there. Was, I think... I don't even know if I, this is the art, really, or a printing thing. Because, like, some... Some of like the the gray or black tones came off kind of weird, but it's one of those where like it might not look the same in a trade kind of thing. But uh, I don't know. I just really wasn't feeling it. And I'm definitely like I have it pre-ordered through issue four, so I'm gonna give it two more chances. But yeah, we'll see. I suggest you um, head over to uh, FirestormFan.com and check out some of Yildre Sinar's original pencils because i think in the art or i mean in the inks and colors a lot is getting lost in there don't get me Um, wrong i don't really support the story a whole lot (laughs) but as far as the art is concerned when it comes to actually printed on the page it doesn't look that great but his pencils look amazing Hmm. yeah he's the guy that did legion when they uh started up last time with the whole earth man and him as a green lantern kind of thing it's like the guy does good work, but yeah, yeah, that is that is some good art. Yeah, just unfortunate that he is attached to that particular story. <laughs> um, what you call it? Uh, I, I I mentioned it earlier in the show, but just to you know, 
spend a little more time with it. Um, Mr. Terrific. Uh, did, did you read the second issue? Not yet. Uh, look, <laughs> the funny thing about pre-ordering in advance, like my month two ended up being basically the same as month one. So, so I have like I have six books left to read from month two, and they're the six books I hated last month. So I'm like putting these off, and Mister Terrific is in there. Yeah, um, you know I read the first issue, and I didn't love the first issue, um, but I didn't completely hate it. So, and I, w- I was curious enough to pick up the second issue. Um, I picked up the second issue, and. I didn't like it at all, and I mean, like, aside from the fact that I hated the villain, um, one of the, the biggest problems with this series is that it's a lot of the super science that they talk about is very it's very difficult for it to come across as believable. Well, well, because of the fact that like we live in a day and age, and this is something that I've thought about. Um, in, you know, in terms of comics, we live in a day and age where the average person knows a great deal more about science and what science is capable of because it's constantly in the newspaper and everything like that. It's always on the internet. You know, if, if like they develop something where people can now see using you know their tongues, which is actually a real thing. I have that, yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, like, if all of a sudden they make that into a commercial product, everybody's going to know about it tomorrow because of Yahoo. We live in a day and age where the, you know, the knowledge of science is a lot more dispersed than it used to be, where, you know, like, you could say that there's a radiation person, a man made of radiation, and he's giving Hal Jordan some problems. Because nobody really knew what the fuck radiation was. It was just this nebulous term. So it comes across a lot harder to fool people nowadays. Whereas if you're reading a comic book, like you already, you know, um, suspend disbelief that magic exists and that this guy from Krypton came to Earth and now he's got these magical powers because he has, you know, the yellow sun now. But when you start telling me that, oh, yeah, I was able to access the ninth dimension, and I have these these T-spheres that work on this special energy, you know, it's like you might as well be saying I'm using magic right now because you're, you don't explain any of it beyond some pseudoscience explanation, and the whole thing comes off very non-believable. Magic is just science we haven't figured out yet. But, you know, you say (laughs) magic and you stop questioning it because it's magic. You know, nobody's reading John Constantine and saying, it's like, oh, wait a second, that particular kind of magic could never happen. Because any kind of magic can happen in a comic book. Because they've already set the rules that this magic can happen. But when you start comparing your science to real-world science... And you, you know, you try and give it anchor points in the real world. Well, we already know what's possible and what isn't possible. You know, so you're, you're coming up with this, these, these bullshit excuses. I may not be the third smartest person in the universe, but uh, 
you know, I, I know enough that this stuff is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to read Mr. Terrific, I guess, but <laughs> I mean, just to see how they do it there. But I mean, something I actually like that they're, they uh, are currently doing a Firestorm is they're linking, I guess, the existence of Firestorm to to like stuff that is like being being tossed around in the scientific community right now. You know, like like things like the 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 Large Hadron Collider, the God the theoretical God particle and like all this stuff like being the kind of bridge to the Firestorm what they call it, the Firestorm Matrix, the Firestorm protocol, whatever it is. But I mean I now you got me curious to read Mr. Terrific because I'm very accepting of pseudoscience just because I've been into science fiction for most of my life, so it's, they'd have to do a lot to make me go, well, all right, what is this crap? <laughs> you know, the, the pseudoscience of Firestorm, I don't have much of an issue with, actually. Um, you know, be, because it's all three, it's theoretical. Well, it's very theoretical, and but I mean, the theoreticals that they are dealing with are... I mean, it... it it's dealt in a way that's much better, you know, than how they deal with it in Mr. Terrific, where they're just like, yeah, I was able to do this, and I was able to do that, and, oh, I'm the third smartest person, so let me just go beep, beep, boop, 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 and all of a sudden, you know, I'm creating a new technology that nobody's ever even, you know, considered might exist before. Isn't that kind of what Mr. Fantastic does in the other universe? They do. They do it better there. They do it. It makes sense when he does it. Why? I don't know. It's better writing. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. Writing. So he should change his name to Mister Mediocre. Mister Okay. Change the writer. Oh. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. This particular writer. What is it? J T. Krull. Is it? I don't, I don't even know. We, we just assume he's writing it because you don't like it. Well, he's also doing uh, Captain Adam, so... Really? Interesting. You, you win some, you lose some, I guess. Uh, I wish we had an email to go to now. We do have an announcement. We don't have an email? Do we have an email? We do. It's just kind of related to what I'm about to say, so... <sighs> <laughs> the, the sigh of disapproval. I hate you so much, Chad. Why? I'm just kidding. Uh, are you paying me back for all the hating we did on you on the previous episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chad. Uh, so when is this episode going to air? Is it going to air before this coming weekend? I don't know. Probably not. So we're not going to have an episode out this week? I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't count on it. We've we've been actually pretty steady with every other week. True. So I, so technically we're on schedule. Well, I figured we were recording today because it would possibly be able to come out this week. Uh, whatever. Regardless of when this episode comes out, November 11th, 12th, and 13th, I will be attending um, Wizard World Austin here in my hometown. And I will be there under the capacity of a press pass for uh, as a co-host of the Lantern Cast. 
And the deadline for this was cut off way back when, so I'm sorry, I'm going to have to throw a shout-out to Wizard World's uh, PR guy, Jerry Milani. So awesome. Thank you for cooperating with us and getting me to uh, into this con. Uh, I've asked him to interview specific uh, creators, uh, among whom is Tyler Kirkham, Patrick Gleason, Greg Horn, Mark Nelson, and uh, Tom Nugian. And speaking of him, uh, one of our listeners, Craig Skinner, has emailed us and pr- uh, says apparently that last name is pr- pronounced Win. In in how N G U Y E N is pronounced when I don't know, but apparently that's the pronunciation. And if I get to interview him, I'll make sure to ask him. Um, make, make sure, like your first question should be, all right, how do you pronounce that name? A oh, when your second que- your second question should be, why? <laughs> Where are the rest of the letters? <laughs> and. And I, I've just recently got the email, like, just during, as we're recording this, got the answer back from uh, Mr. Milani, the PR guy at Wizard. Uh, I'm getting these interviews secured, and he says, and I quote, we should be able to do most of these. Nice. So, whether I get even one of the interviews I've asked for is going to be outstanding. So, I'll be taking pictures and I don't know what kind of panels there's going to be, if any, um, so I'll see what's going on. I've never been to a convention outside of uh, a super show last year, so or this year, I guess. Um, so I don't know how to go about a larger con, let alone in the capacity of a press pass. So we'll see how it all works out. Um, but I was, I was be looking say, for content. I was going to say, do you have anything to record portably? Um, yes, I do have a the, the the same thing I used to secure the interview with um, Scott, Scott Collins. Collins. Ah, that's right, that's right. So, I mean, sound quality could be varying. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, in at that uh, at that uh, comic shop, I was able to get a, a coherent interview that people were able to hear. So, maybe if I tell the creator ahead of time. I'm going to have to hold this pretty close to your face, so... (laughs) (laughs) Or just pass it around to them like a mic, I don't know. Um, But at the very least, if it doesn't come out, maybe I'll try and keep a notepad to keep notes so I can at least tell you what answers these people gave me if the the quality isn't audible. I mean, whatever in whatever way it happens, it's going to happen somehow. So keep your your ears peeled for that content coming soon. Hooray! Yay! How much does a quality recorder cost? Um, depending. What would you... Like I've been looking at this lately. Uh, it can be like in the, depending on where you look, somewhere in like the ninety to one hundred fifty range. Yikes. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I, I'm just completely floored that um, the we were able to get. A press pass. I mean, I say we. Yeah, I'm the one going, but I'm going in the capacity as a co-host for the Lantern Cast, and that that's a big deal for for not just me, but for all of us. So. I have the utmost faith in your capabilities. Yes, Justin uh, has the. Uh, Jason, I'm sorry, it's late. Some guy <laughs> named some guy named Justin. Justin. 
baby, 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 oh baby. Chad says that it's it's a very monumental thing for all of us that he got the press pass. Or so he keeps saying to a press. <laughs> uh, uh, what does Justin say? I'm sorry. Uh, oh, Justin. Justin, uh, I forget. Justin time. <laughs> Always be prepared by Justin Case. <laughs> wow. But I'm, I'm very excited to be able to go. So hopefully it all works out. Um, yeah, pretty awesome. How big of a convention is uh, Wizard World Austin? Um, I don't necessarily. I don't know how Wizard operates. Um, I did look at the guest list. Apparently, Marvel and DC neither of them have a booth or mm-hmm. anything. So I don't know how that works out. But um, there are a lot of. Um, from what I've heard, Wizard is is more. Uh, geek related than comic related. I mean, because like Hayden Panettiere from Heroes is going to be there, and James Marsters, and um, what's his name? Something Baldwin, the guy who was on Firefly and all that. Oh, Adam Baldwin. Yes, he'll he'll be there. In addition to like Patrick Gleason and Tyler Kirkham, um, and all these other folks are are going to be there. So it's it's both comic and media related. That's cool. I didn't realize he was going to be there. So, yeah. Um, hey, uh, and just a, a correction before it—it it was not J.T. Krull writing Mister Terrific. Thank God. It's uh, Eric Wallace. Oh. Who? So Eric Wallace. Who? Exactly. <laughs> so Chad, if you see Eric Wallace, let him know that his science sucks in his comic. <laughs> I'll make sure to make that uh, passing comment. Yeah, do it on <laughs> Sunday. As I walk, as I walk by his uh, booth, hey, you suck! <laughs> you <laughs> no, suck. Not him. His head. science sucks. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about him as a person. Yeah, Chad, don't be mean. God, no, Chad, <laughs> you do not represent us. <laughs> Shut up, Justin. I have no Chad. Speaking of Justin, since he hasn't been able to talk a whole lot this episode, you haven't been around in a while, so I think you owe the listeners one of your many stories. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Which one do you want to hear? The time you... I'm pretty sure we're all very curious about the time you killed somebody. Accidentally. Did he tell us that story? No. He told you you and me that story. Yes. and and you gave a oh it was something along the lines of something like this and this but Jason himself has never told the story. Jason? Yes. This motherfucker is going <laughs> to Wizard World Texas or Austin. What is it Texas? Was it Texas? Yes, it's Austin is in fact in Texas. Yes. Well, is it Wizard World Austin or Wizard World Texas? What are they it's, calling it? It's Wizard World Austin. Okay. This motherfucker is going to Wizard World Austin this weekend, so he does not deserve that story. Are you he kidding has spoken, me? So it shall be. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> You're still out of the loop. <laughs> hey, hey, man. As I, I, I'm doing more setup for interviews and promoting the Lantern Cast than Jason has in the past few months, so. Oh! oh. <laughs> Portland is dropped! I took you to Super Show, fucker. <laughs> Damn it. 
I said the past couple of months. I didn't say. I took you to Super <laughs> Show, fucker. Oh, man. <sighs> I wasn't, I wasn't uh, aware of it. I took you to Super <laughs> Show, fucker. <laughs> I wasn't aware of that arrangement. I took you to Super Show, fucker. Hey, Jim. Yeah. Did you hear uh, Jason took Chad someplace? Someplace? <laughs> What happened there? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Those hotel rooms are never. Hey, hey, that's a story that shall <laughs> never be told. The love that dare not speak his name. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wasn't bow-legged from being from Texas. Oh, <laughs> let's just say Jason. Jason slept soundly. I did not. <laughs> oh my right. God! What is? What does that even mean? <laughs> I'm I'm just going with Jason's insinuation there. Uh, gentlemen, we have been recording for a very long time. How long? Two and a half hours. That's not bad. <laughs> it's not long enough. Uh, yeah. I can talk about Wild Pig. Let me talk about Wild Pig. Oh, did you meet anybody there? Nah. Nobody? No. <laughs> Nobody knew, really. I caught up with a bunch of people, like the, the CGS guys and also people who I only ever see at Wild Pig, and it was fun. It was, I think as of this this time around, it's officially for me graduated to a con where, where I'm, like with Super Show, I'm going there primarily just to, like, have cool conversations with people and then check out the comics, because I was there for, like, a good two hours before I even looked at any books. Did you buy anything? Ah, uh, yeah, I got, like, a couple 50-cent books, and the, um, the second Golden Age Green Lantern archive Ooh. for half off. That's a good price. Yeah, it's a good book. Mm. Yeah, it's like, that's the only other play. This is, <laughs> unless DC decides to just turn around and make awesome trades of the Alan Scott stuff this is probably the, per- the only place I'm going to find it. Plus, I already had the first one, so I'm like, yeah, nice. I think they only made the two, though, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, they did. There's another collection, like, I forget what it's called, but it's... Uh, All-Star? Yeah, and that has some Alan Scott material in it, which, you know, if I can find it at 50% or less, then maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those where it's definitely not worth the cover price if I'm just looking really going for, like, a percent of the contents, you know, but... Bring it to, like, the Big Apple Con or New York Comic Con and get Erwin Hassan to uh, sign it for you while he's still alive. That's a morbid suggestion, thank you. <laughs> well, you know, just throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, and Chad, you know what was awesome about Wild Pig? Hmm. Jim Ford was not there. You were totally right oh. last week. Awesome. You're, you're totally right. That other time when you said that, that was awesome. <laughs> Please. I've been right more and more lately. Yeah, this, this guy's this guy's not only telling me to come to Wild Pig, he's texting my wife saying, you have to go with Jim to Wild Pig. Well, because you're being a little bitch and being like, oh, I can't go to Wild Pig myself. I'll get scared. Oh. So I'm uh, trying to convince Lauren to go with you. I'm, I'm telling her all this great stuff about New Jersey. Like, it's the land of, like, candy and teddy bears so that she'll come. And... Yeah, that's a lie. I've been to Jersey. It's not well, the Wild you know, Pig part. 
we should tell uh, what's his name, Chris, who runs Wild Pig. Apparently, Jim Ford thinks an open bar at a baptism is better than his convention. Open bar is pretty awesome. Jason, can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 wait. No, did, we miss, did we miss drunk Jim? Well, I mean, I wasn't recording <laughs> afterwards, so... I know, but you should have yes. been. Uh, oh, man. What you call it? Drunk Jim. We, Jim. You know, what? Oh, God, no, you go. I'm sorry. Um... Yeah, no, the baptism that we were going to was for, you know, good friends of the family. So, I mean, we really did have to go. But I, I you know, I've I've wanted to make a wild pig for, I guess, a matter of years now. I just, I keep on missing it. It's just something always comes up. Either I'm, like, completely broke or I just have something that I can't, you know, switch dates with. But, uh, you know, like, since I did have to miss wild pig you know what i ended up having to miss it for ended up being pretty you know pretty awesome it was a it was a nice party it was a really nice party it was almost like a wedding reception in terms of you know where they had it and you had a cocktail hour and you know nice really nice sit down dinner dj open bar which was fantastic because lauren was driving (laughs) (laughs) so i left that party feeling really nice uh, Ain't no party like a baptism party because a baptism party don't stop. Yeah, I went there. It's Chad at LanternCast.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to catch up with Katie Cook and uh, Kirby Crackle, thanks to Jim. Yeah, I'm good like that. You nice. are. <laughs> I hooked them up. They were in my town and I had no idea. Huh. You know, I... I <laughs> I wish that I was able to give you some advance notice because, you know, I, I read my Facebook probably like once a day. And, like, the week leading up to that weekend, Katie Cook kept on, like, you know, mentioning things about Las Vegas. And I did not think, you know, twice about it. And as it got closer, it's like, yeah, you know, anybody know any, you know, cool things to do in Vegas? And. I'm going to be going to Vegas, and Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. Never even thought about it. And then Saturday morning, she's like, yeah, here I am in Vegas for the Vegas Valley, you know, comic convention, or comic show, whatever. And I'm like, holy shit, I know somebody in Vegas. <laughs> so I text I text Jason, or uh, well, Justin, is that where we're going yeah, with? This yeah, Justin. Yeah. I, te- I text Justin, and... Uh, I'm like, did you know that there's a Comic-Con going in your town? Uh, to call it a Comic-Con? <laughs> yeah, that, that's loose. It was... Oh, no, 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 that's not loose. <laughs> it's a comic festival, which, <laughs> I mean, it was cool, but Super Show's probably five times bigger. That That's bizarre. Like, I mean, I I'm happy for them that they got that the people there got to meet Kirby Crackle and uh, Katie Cook. But for the fact that it was so small, I mean, like, how do they have anybody? I don't know. The outside was pretty much just uh, like a a shade tent set up for each one of the comic book uh, stores out here, which there's quite a few, uh, probably near a dozen. Uh, So that was the majority of the outside. Um, Inside, they had 
a few tables, and then downstairs they had a little artist alley, which was not really an alley. <laughs> an artist cove. Artist uh, table. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Uh, artist, but, uh, my... uh, artist sofa cushion fortress. <laughs> an artist love seat. <laughs> but um, my daughters got to meet Katie Cook, which was cool. And because she had done a couple pieces for them before, and then uh, got to see Kirby Crackle again. That's always fun. And they hooked me up with their newest CD, which was very cool of them. So we had a good time. I found a Savage Press action figure, which I've been looking for. I don't know what that is. Yeah, well. that's from uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, the animated series. It's Darth Maul's little brother. Who's yellow instead of red, Aww. but oh. much bigger. Okay. So he looks like Sinestro Corps Darth Maul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had a, a Andrew Charpar do a Savage Press as a Sinestro Corps member this last year. That's awesome. But that figure came out. I, I got it for ten bucks, which is relatively cheap when it's those kind of figures that you're that you're searching for. <laughs> I was, sorry, I was just reading Kitty Cook's Facebook. <laughs> Favorite game in Vegas so far? Spot the Call Girl. I found six so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was she was blown away by the way Vegas is. She goes, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm not a city girl. <laughs> she goes, but I've been to L.A. and I've been to New York and this is nothing like it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, nope, <laughs> not at all. There's drunk people everywhere all the time. Oh. So when Jim's... Hits an open bar, we can say he's got a little Vegas in him. There you go. <laughs> I like to think there's a little Vegas in all of us. <laughs> Except Chad. I want right? Drunk Jim back. I want an episode with Drunk Jim. There has to be something that requires Drunk Jim. What about Drunk Chad? How about Jim? How about, Jim? how about Jim and Chad recording together by themselves? With Red Lantern book. <laughs> And then when they throw up, it'll be like they're throwing up uh, the bl- their blood. Yeah. Listen, if, if I drink, drink enough, I might throw up blood. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> uh, I think we're pretty good, guys, right? Yep. Yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, if you want to get we're also ready to end the episode. I'm sorry. God. What? You should be sorry for that one. <laughs> okay, if you want to contact us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail.com or alternatively, you can email us individually at jim, dan, chad, or jason, or james at lanterncast.com. You can find our website at lanterncast.com. There you have links to our forum, our Facebook page, our Twitter. Uh, our gallery page, and all of our past episodes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and uh, you can leave us a voicemail at 708-LANTERN. Yep. <laughs> That's all, uh-huh. folks. <laughs> That's all, folks. Good night. I said Good that night. already. <laughs> Goodbye. Good night. So long. Farewell. Farewell. I'll be here and say goodbye. What? Oh, yeah, everybody else dropped out. That's nice.
Did you say a wiener shed goodbye? No. <laughs> what? What? God, go to bed. You're old. That's true. Watch Adolf Hitler versus Darth Vader first. Do it. Chad, go to YouTube, type in epic rap battles of history. Um, oh, and okay. everybody out there, listen to uh, Geek Fight. John yeah. has yes. a podcast. Uh, I want in, John. I want in. I want yeah, in, and I want in, I want in. He's collecting us, apparently. <laughs> he's done, like, three episodes. We're on two of them. Nerdcastnetwork.com, and uh, look for Geek Fight. He's also got a Teen Titans podcast coming soon. But Young it, Justice. Yeah, that's right, Young Justice. Um, but Geek Fight, that's where it's at. Uh, I'm on the first episode, Dan's on the third episode, and they're both great episodes. So, definitely check it out. It's it's probably one of my favorite new podcasts. And not because I'm on it. Oh, yeah, that's not why. Well, that helps, but that's not the, the only reason. God. Uh, um, right. Are we really done now? Yeah, we're really done.